Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies, or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's been doing well out there. Things are starting to heat up with the Oscar race, with the Golden Globes just having been awarded last night, uh, which we'll cover in just a little bit. Uh, we also have another guest on to talk about some more Best Picture contenders. Before all that, though, some housekeeping things to take care of. One, I still have that survey open from last uh, from a couple episodes ago, uh, trying to get a sense of what people's top 10 films from 2023 are, as well as what the most anticipated of 2024 will be. I still, have to, uh, I still have to finalize my analysis, but a quick look suggests top film of the year was Oppenheimer, and most people's most looking for uh, anticipated film is Dune 2. Not all that surprising. In any case, I'll probably close the survey sometime Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, um, uh, to try to give me some time to crunch, crunch the numbers for an episode later this week. Secondly, if you haven't already, be sure to check out the Academy of Death Racers Film Festival running now through January 21st. As you may have seen in the feed, I did an interview with the director of one of the sword films, Campfire, which I dropped in this feed, but you know, it's also on the AOD, our YouTube channel, and there are loads more interviews there as well. If you're trying to get ahead of the race, there are nine shortlisted films in the, in, in, uh, in, at the film festival, so why not take the chance to see them now? In any case, let's get to the Golden Globes. Um, now, obviously, there have been a lot of changes with the Globes. They tripled the, num- the number of voters. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to make it a more respectable uh, film uh, to, uh, award show this time after all the controversy. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we'll see how that impacted the results. Now, I didn't make a super serious effort to try to predict them. I did it, like, maybe, like, five minutes before uh, the actual ceremony started. But, you know, out of the 15 films categories, I got seven right. Um, and as far as I would like to win, eight that I wanted to or did didn't care who won, ended up going home with it. Um, now, briefly on the TV side, I don't really watch much TV, but I do have to shout out um, Beef for taking home all the awards for the limited series. Uh, definitely should make time to watch it. And as far as, you know, the host, Joe Corey, look, I know there's a lot of, of hate for, for his monologue, which, you know, may or may not be deserved, um, but I am a bit of a Joe Corey apologist as a Filipino. So, you know, were his jokes not the best? No, no. Um, I don't, uh, definitely not. Um, I, do I, I, uh, I think he does his jokes best when it's, you know, more personal experience you know, growing up as, you know, a son of an immigrant um, and kind of, you know, being a father and all that. So, you know, um, I don't think, you know, this material really suited him that much. Um, and secondly, you know, from what I've heard, he wasn't necessarily the producer's first pick. In fact, apparently he only really got the gig like two weeks ago when they couldn't get anyone else. Now, that said, I'm going to give him some slack because he only had two weeks uh, to prepare as opposed to, say, Jimmy Kimmel, who has like five months to prepare for his hosting gigs. It sounds like, you know, Jokoi actually took the time to try and, and, and watch everything himself with his kid as opposed to having his writing staff if he has any, uh, watch the films and write jokes for him. Um, you know, so, you know, he's basically a death racer like us, so I can't really hate on him too much. You know, plus, I did find some kind of charm in the way that his jokes, for the most part, uh, were gussing about the films uh, as a fan versus, you know, uh, talking down to just kind of like the broad idea of the films. Like, there was some stuff in that he really knew about the films. So, you know, that all said, at the end of the day, honestly, I think the whole conversation about whether he was a good host or not is a little bit overblown. The host never matters for the Golden Globes. It's still la- it's the last reason people t- tune in. Um, the only reason, the only way I would say a host would be notable is a if the Neil Patrick Harris or Hugh Jackman doing a musical number bit to start, which I don't think the producers were going to spring for, or b you're the Muppets, which again is my forever wish for whoever for the the only people who should be hosting award shows are the Muppets. 
Anyway, uh, moving on to the winners and how they did in the race. Uh, for Best Picture, Oppenheimer took drama while Poor Things took comedy. A uh, bit surprised that the Gold Globes didn't go with Barbie, you know, given kind of like the history of the organization. But, you know, uh, given that they've expanded the membership, I think that maybe makes a little bit more sense. Um, and, you know, these two are the ones who I would say are in the front runner consideration uh, for the Best Picture at the Oscars uh, within their respective categories. Now, speaking of Barty, I was pretty jazzed to see Barbie winning the new Box Office Achievement Award. Yes, it's kind of a dumb award. Yes, Barbie already got rewarded for, um, you know, basically be, being the the highest grossing film of the year. Um, but you know, the fact that it went over Taylor Swift, who still can't win a, a, a film award um, at this point, uh, you know, even though, yes, I do acknowledge that Taylor Swift did kind of up and, and find a new way of distribution going directly to the, uh, the theaters and not going to the studios is awesome. But but it's just fun seeing Swifties mad, so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer on for Barbie here. Um, best director went to Nolan, no big surprise. Best screenplay went to an Alan Fall, which was a bit of a surprise actually. It is a well deserved one, you know. Though personally, I still like Past Lives a little bit more, but the fact that it won over say Open Oppenheimer or Kills the Flower Moon, I think puts it firmly in contention in the Oscars, uh, especially since it is an original uh, screenplay category as opposed to the others which are uh, adapted. Uh, best Drama Actor went to Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Best Actress for to Lily Gladstone from Flower Moon. Pretty clear favorites in their respective categories. Um, though uh, Bradley Cooper's reaction to not getting it uh, is, is kind of funny and the memes have started for sure. Um, best Comedy Actor went to Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Which there's this awesome picture of him going in and out afterwards just bringing his Golden Globe with him. Um, and then Best act Comedy Actress went to Emma Stone for Poor Things. Again, both of these were the expected winners. Though, again, somewhat surprised that they went uh, with Emma Stone over Margot Robbie. A supporting actor went to Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer, um, and as expected, Devine Zorin Randolph took supporting actress for the holdovers. Now, again, I think maybe we'll have to recalibrate what we think about the Globes. The fact that they went with RDJ over Ryan Gosling, maybe a bit of a, so a, little, a bit of weakness for Barbie overall, though then again, maybe the Globes just really like Robert Downey Jr. So, you know, I still think Ryan Gosling will get the nom here. And again, Devine Zorin Randolph is, you know, I start etching the name on her Oscar at this point. I don't think anyone can come in and take it away from her right now. Moving to the technical categories, a score went to uh, Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer, which again was the expected result. And an original song went to a Barbie song, though not "I Am Just Ken." Um, you know, it, it actually ended up going to Billie Eilish for "What Was I Made 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 For." Um, so you know, maybe the fact again a little bit more of a serious organization here versus kind of like the meme song. Uh, finally, uh, Anatomy of a Fall took top, the top non-English language film. Um, with the screenplay win, not all that surprising, um, though perhaps not as good, not not a good sign for past lives or zone of interest. Um, the biggest surprise of the night arguably went to Born the Heron, who won animated film over uh, Across the Spider-Verse. I think this one raises the dialogue of whether Born the Heron is win competitive at the Oscars. I've always thought so, but you know, most people seem to say say it, think it was it's been Spider-Verse since it came out. Uh, so just glad to have a little bit more competition in the race at this point. Uh, overall, Oppenheimer went five for eight, uh, out, five out of eight nominations. Uh, meanwhile, so no, definitely the clear winner of the night. Uh, Barbie went home with two of nine. Poor Things, two of seven. Anatomy of a Fall, two of four. Holdovers, two of three. Uh, and Killers of the Flower Moon, one of seven. And Boy in the Hair, one of two. Nobly, probably the biggest losers of the night were Maestro uh, and May December, both going 0 of four. Now, overall, I'd say, you know, 
this is a pretty tame result compared to past globes. Um, aside from the animation, uh, things taking up in the race a little bit, as well as perhaps anatomy of a fall taking screenplay, um, you know, doesn't take up the race too much. Oppenheimer's still the favorite lead. Um, it's just hard to really say, especially in the acting categories, um, who the front runners are, just because um, the lead acting categories are split up by genre, and especially this year, they had six nominees in each category this year. That said, you know, according to my to my list, you know, everyone who won, um, you know, aside from Boy in the Heron, is somebody who I think will get into Best Picture. So, you know, maybe the Globes are actually, you know, relevant again this year and not kind of some weird cookie, uh, cook cookie award. So, um, in any case, you know, Globes results done. Let's go ahead and hop into our interview for this week. Um, a note, you know, we I did record this interview with our guest uh, last Friday on the fifth, uh, just after the BAFTA longlist released and uh. And after the gold, uh, the costume guild designer nominees, but this was before the the Golden Globes results, so those haven't been factored into here or you know any other awards. So since then, uh, this week we're going to have the Academy of Death Racer residents as uh, SCL member as well as the hot take expert Whitney Joe. Uh, in this interview, we go over three films that for the longest times, um, you know, I I had on the bubble of getting into Best Picture, um, all of which he had very strong feelings about in a good way. Um, I will say that after this conversation. Uh, you know, I, I have been convinced to move one of them into my best picture lineup, though figuring out who to cut is a whole other conversation. Um, while the other two, I think I'm firmly saying, are definitely out of best picture at this point, just based on how things have gone with recent um, turn of events and and, and, and predictors. Um, still, I think it's a good spoiler fill a spoiler filled conversation where we can you know just talk about some films that we really liked. Um, yeah, and those films are of course Past Lives, The Color Purple, and All of Us Strangers. Let's get into it. All right, and joining me for the second year in a row uh, is our resident hot take expert, uh, Whitney Joe from the Academy of Death Racers uh, Discord. Um, Whitney, welcome back. Do you have a Do you have a spicy one to kick us off? Barbie is going to win sound. Okay, that that definitely is a hot. Oh yeah, I remember we were talking about that one on Discord, and I definitely disagree with that one. So that's a good hot take. No, to I don't. With. I don't. I don't really think it's going to win. But um, do you think you'll get? I, I mean, do you think you're going to get nominated at all? Which I don't think it's. Oh gonna yeah, be. for sure. All right. Well, yeah. we shall we shall see. Um. Anyway, welcome back, Whitney. If you want to introduce yourself for anyone who maybe just discovering the podcast this year or anything, um, you know, just give us a quick rundown. Yeah. Hi. Um. I'm Whitney Joe, singer, songwriter, blah blah blah, composer. Uh. Find my work on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you stream music. Um, I am the resident insane one who, um, sort of basically makes, spends all day making batshit predictions, um, and then reverse engineering reality to fit that. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm the one who's like pouring over historical numbers, historical performances of different awards, precursors. It's clear. I do that too. I I just sort of. Reverse just, engineer that. You come to your conclusion first. Yeah, I first just throw reality a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you'll see me. You'll see me kind of ragging on Whitney if you're in the Discord. So you know, it's all it's a good time, all in good fun, right? Not taking it yes. too too seriously. Um, but yeah, no, I figured you know it makes for good podcasting when you have contrasting views. I feel sometimes like when I, if I have Dakota on, or if I have you know Jeff and Pierre on, we tend to agree for the most part on a lot of things. So you know, it's good to spice things up every once in a while. Yes. 
Right. So, you know, earlier this, so, you know, we're just going to go ahead and hop, hop straight into it. So earlier this year, Whitney messaged me saying, quote, uh, whenever the Oscars Death Race podcast starts back up, if I'm not on the past lives episode, I'm going to send you a lot of angry emojis. Um, I like to avoid the angry emojis. So here you are, Whitney. So here I am. Um, yeah, I like the initiative and, of course, you know, the passion and, you know, I have to have him back on. Um, and, you know, when figuring out what other films to pair with the color purple, you know, um, you know, first off, I'm going to say I love color purple. Oh, that's right. I, I love past lives. Um, and, you know, I, I have Celine Song in the red carpet roster's draft as my director's screenwriter. But, you know, for whatever reason, and I'll explain my reasons later. I currently don't have it in my 10 for best picture, right? Which maybe that might be a hot take for people. Yeah, um, that's more insane than anything I've ever said on this podcast. Well, okay, my logic may, I, I, I think my logic is sound. But to be fair, when I started coming it's up not. with my list, this was before it had regained the momentum it had into the season. So when I was okay. set, scheduling this all together, I, w- I didn't have it yet in the top 10. Um, and then you when, we were doing our, when we were doing our red carpet rosters draft, you were like super, super high on the color purple. Like you were like, oh my God, Fantasia's going to go first round for best actress, right? He's, and for those who, this is an audio podcast, you can't see, he just turned away from the camera laughing. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know what? I mean, she's still, even where color purple isn't showing up, she sometimes shows up. Yes. This, to be fair, this was before it was released, before yeah, anyone no, saw you, it, the, before the, the momentum. The drafts were all, this was all the way back in October, right? So, yeah. Yeah. When I was putting these episode lists together, it's like, okay, like I have to start putting them together earlier. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it these, the, these takes may be a little bit dated, but hey, they still make for good content. And I'm very glad that we're recording this episode after the BAFTA long list came out so I can finally. Finally, let go of the color. This will be a healing. This will be a healing episode for you. Yeah, um, spirit. Truly, a spiritual awakening. All right. So you know. So no. So you know. He was high on color purple um, when I wasn't. He was high on past lives when I wasn't. Um, and finally, you know, given both of these films talk about ex- the experience of being a minority, right? We ended up pairing those with all of us strangers, which I don't think either of us really think will make best picture. You know, there was a shot long long ago where i thought it might be able to be like a, a one for various reasons i'll explain later um but you know it does you know all of us friends similarly does deal about being like a minority specifically queer so you know you may call me a hater again i don't have any of these in my best picture lineup um but you know i prefer to think more so that maybe the academy is just not as uh receptive to minority uh narratives uh, as 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 we like it to be so uh anyway we're here to rectify that you know two uh asian people uh to talk about this um uh, plus one one lgbt person as well uh, yes. So yeah, we will. We will we're going to have a good time. A lot of hot takes, which maybe have cooled down since we initially had them. Uh, but ready? You ready? Ready to to let it go? Yeah, and awesome. I'll say LG. You can LGBTQIA. You we can change the A to Asian just for you. Awesome. You Thank you. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, this is, I can tell this is going to be a fun episode. All right, so uh, first up, we're going to start off with, you know, one of the earliest films to, you know, potentially get awards buzz this year, Past Lives. Yes. Um, it is a stunning uh, feature debut from director, screenwriter, Celine Song. It's a quiet, semi-autobiographical romantic drama from A24 following two childhood friends over 24 years as they grow apart and reconnect and contemplate the nature of their relationship and what could have been. It premiered at Sundance, so just about a year ago at this point, um, before releasing theatrically in June. It had been named a top 10 film of of 2023 by both the National Board of Review and the American Film Institute, and also won Best Feature at the Gotham Awards.
Awards, um, as well as Best First Film for the New York Film Critics Circle. It's currently nominated for five Golden Globes, five Independent Spirit Awards, and three Satellite Awards. Uh, Ratings-wise, on Metacritic, it has 94 out of 51 reviews, which is the, actually the highest feature film rated uh, for 2023. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 96 out of 278 reviews, a 9.1 score, which is, again, one of the highest I've seen for the year. And the Letterboxd is 4.24 out of 398,000 reviews. According to Gold Derby, uh, it is currently number eight for Best Picture, number seven for Director for Celine Song, number six for Actress for Greta Lee, number two for Original Screenplay, also for Song, and then it was shortlisted for Song, which I didn't actually didn't realize there was an original song, but our resident uh, SCL member uh, can talk about like, Quiet Eyes, which is the shortlisted song, currently ranked eighth there. Now, okay, I'm going to put lay, lay the table for my logic first for why I don't think it was going to get Best Picture, right? Um, first off, Historically, right, most films will generally have at least either two above the line nominations or one below the line nomination. I'm very confident in it getting original screenplay, but you know, Greta Lee, I think Best Actress is a very stacked category this year. Greta Lee is as it's as it's so kind of on the bubble for six. So it, I'm not confident it, it it would get the prerequisite two. Now there have been examples, for example, last year with Women Talking getting only one nomination, and for a while though I thought that was going to be American Fiction um, getting only adapted screenplay, but it looks like American Fiction might be moving into um, uh, Best Actor as well to get the two. So who knows? Maybe Past Lives does end up being the single one at that place. Um, the other factor kind of throwing this in is that um, you know historically looking at the AFI and NBR, if you look at the films that they both honor in a given year, there was always one film each year that does not get Best Picture, right? Last year was The Woman King, for example, which I know you liked, uh, um, uh, Whitney. Um, but unfortunately, did not we get it. To bring that and up. If, you, if you just look, but if you look at the films from this year that were honored by both, in addition to the past lives, it's Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. And like, if one if one has to miss, I personally would like Maestro to miss. Actually, yeah, and I think that's um, what it would be. I would like it to be Maestro, but I don't know. There's just also a lot of buzz for Maestro as well, right? With the push from Netflix, so I I don't know, I don't know, right? So I I would say I'm I'm definitely a lot there more. Is, but- I'm a lot more okay with with saying, okay, before I was like, Past Lives is not getting it. Now I'm like, okay, Past Lives is fighting for like the 9-10 spot, I think, um, with with some other films. But anyway, that's my rational right now. So anyway, before we get into like your logic for why it will get in, just let's talk about the film in general. What did you think of Past Lives? Um, Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm looking at my predictions list. I have it at number three. (laughs) <laughs> okay, maybe that, that is a little high i think for most people <laughs> so that, that's there's the hot take yes uh starting off starting off maybe not strong but definitely spicy <laughs> on, on both ends um i loved past lives i think for most of the year it was my favorite film of the year i think anatomy overtook it but it's definitely up there regardless yeah i mean for my personal um, top 10 film of the year it's definitely like one of the top 10 best films made i don't rank my i don't rank yes. them i just say listen it's definitely the top 10 film of the year for sure i mean when i say that i rank them i like what i mean is i arbitrarily point push things onto a letterbox list after i watch them never take a second look and there, there's a real element of randomness to it to be clear um but yeah, I mean, I just walked away from past lives. I saw it twice in theaters. There's just this real like element of 
I think sometimes films that really employ a lot of like minimalistic techniques mm-hmm. can they can start to feel a little I guess dry. Uh, the emotion kind of gets sapped a little bit out of it, and that's intentional. A lot of times, it's not to my taste, but I respect that that's those directors' visions. Celine songs managed to employ a lot of these minimalistic techniques in a way that actually intensifies the emotional experience, and it's just the, such this like fascinating directorial feat really unmatched as far as debut directors go in my opinion as far as i can recall at least in recent memory yeah other directors in the first time maybe go for this fences try to make a big splash which he, yeah. he keeps it understated but in a way that doesn't lose any of the same energy of a first-time director yeah yeah okay yeah I mean, I will say, right, like, I didn't see it in theaters, right? But uh, I, I convinced my wife to watch it with me um, by saying, hey, it's basically like, what if it was K-drama, but not from Korea, right? <laughs> um, which it worked. And I mean, it did. It, like, that's how it was described to me by some people. And it's like, it, it worked. It's a good, it, 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 is, it does feel very similar to a, a K-drama-esque kind of like, oh, this lover coming yeah. from the past and so on. Um, but one thing I liked about it, right, and this has been said before in other places, not necessarily unique, but, you know, she is, you know, Greta Lee's character is married to, you know, jo- John McGarrow's character, right, who's, who's a white guy. And, you know, in a typical story, the they they say it in the film, right? Like the the Asian lo- lover from the past comes and st- takes her back from the evil white guy, and that's not the case here, right? They're able right. to reconcile that the idea of hey, you have this life now, you're happy in this life now. That doesn't mean you can't you know mourn the life that you lost per se, but also doesn't take away from the current life as well, right? And and kind of like making peace with that to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I also really love the depiction of. of um... And you and I can relate to this yeah. Asian men as buff, muscular, hot, hot yeah. men. <laughs> they were you, yeah, yes, um, yes. yeah. I mean, but um, there's also, also, right? Like, there's, there's definitely, I think, an element of kind of the Asian American experience as well of being, because yes. you know, I go back frequently to the Philippines, you know, every other year or so, and you know, not the Philippines is maybe a little, little bit of a special case where you know. Philippines is kind of Americanized as is, right? But even then, there still is definitely a divide between Filipinos in the Philippines and Filipino Americans and a different sense of what it means to be Filipino, right? Like there's the yeah. stuff where like Teo, like he like sees much more independent for Korean standards, right? And so that that's kind of understood that even if they had this connection, they just grown apart because of their circumstances so much. Yeah, like there's that whole scene where every other sentence Greta Lee just is like describing him to her husband, and she's like. He's so Korean. It's so Korean. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see this. I see this. I've had this conversation. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there's not much. I mean, like the original, like screenplay, I think, is the one place where I'm 100% confident it's going to get nominated in outside of sure. Best Picture, right? Like, like if this doesn't get screenplay, I think it'll be Riots in the Street, right? Um, yeah. If, if anything, this would be like the... Um, what 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 I feel I, there was one last year that that like it got like I think it'd be like woman talking right getting only screenplay based not getting yes. the screenplay right um, now Greta Lee right I'll, I'll I'll agree Greta Lee is an amazing actress she did a, a great job here right yeah um, for me it's not so much that she didn't do a good job it's again just that this category is so stacked and sure. I think the fact of her, of it releasing very early in the year right it is a lot of people's you know beloved film 
Um, I think perhaps it might be mostly for the screenplay more than anything else. And so while she is definitely the strongest actress actor right among her john magaro and taylor like there was a time period like before the film festivals when it's like these are the these are all three gonna get nominated right that time i think has passed right it's probably gradually if there was a second one right but even then there's just so much competition like heck even like uh like robbie margo uh margo robbie you know might not even make best actress at this rate because there were so many good actresses this year oh she's not that's yeah she's not making it but i don't know i feel like greta lee is in there pretty pretty firmly i mean she's hit everything uh she hit mm. globe she hit critics choice she is going to hit bafta she made the long list and past lives did very well in the long list this morning um and if i sound tired it's because these long lists came out too early yeah too and early he's, and, and whitney's on the west coast so yeah i I deserve, like, a settlement. BAFTA, you need to send me some money. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel like she's pretty firmly in there. She, uh, mm-hmm. she might miss SAG, but I think that's fine for her. I mean, she's also playing against type, which I think helps what, what, a lot. What, what would her type be, I think? What, what, would, what would the type be, then? Um, I think, until this point, what she was probably best known for was... Russian doll, right? The party girl type, big, big, mm-hmm. big character. Um, uh, really, the exact opposite of this character. In past okay. Lives. So, so kind of currently, right? The actress race is number one Emma Stone, number two Lily Gladstone. Uh, this is by going by Gold Derby. Number three, yeah. Carrie Mulligan from Astro, which. I have feelings about uh, number four, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, which is definitely disturbed. If that's the case. And currently number five, Margot Robbie, right? Um, Greta Lee is number six. Fantasia from Color Purple, which we'll talk about later, is number seven. Annette, Ni- Annette, Annette Benning for Nyad is number eight. I mean, is there anyone else you kind of have in the race uh, for, for Best Actress? Uh, did we mention Natalie Portman? Uh, see, you'd be right after Annette Benning. Okay, yeah. Um, I... Natalie Portman is, I think, in the race. I don't think she's yeah. particularly strong. Yeah, same with like for, I, there. my hope, Dixon. I, I would, I, I would say Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla, but that's I don't. Yeah. I think at this point, it's getting much and much less likely that that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are like the only real competitive ones. And you know, even if you take out Portman and Spaney, right, that's still eight people competing for five slots, right? So yeah. it's just like a really strong race, as opposed to say. Um, supporting actress, which I think is a little bit more of an open field. Maybe they can pull. Um, uh, what was that time that they put the lead actor into a supporting actor, and uh, there is no one knows why. It wasn't yeah. Michelle Williams last year, was it? No, 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 no. It was. Um, was it the five blood Lakeith Stanfield? Oh yeah, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield and. Um... And uh, and and uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Yes, yes, yes. For for yeah. for Judas and Black Messiah. <laughs> that was and so the, that means the, the the main the main the main character was the uh, was the white was the white was the white guy in this movie. Yeah, naturally, they just uh, watch from the own lens of themselves. Yeah, no, I don't think that's going to happen here, unfortunately. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, this is just a. Uh, Again, I would, I would. This is a case maybe where I'm, I'm emotionally hedging myself. Where if I say past sure. lives doesn't make it, and then it makes it, I'll be, you know, happily wrong in that case. Yeah, I guess 
my thing with these categories is I try to say, say to myself when I'm trying to predict the nominees, mm-hmm. can I find a hundred people who think this should be the winner? And I mm-hmm. think I can find a hundred people who think readily should win more than I, more easily than I can find a hundred people who think Natalie Portman, Margot Robbie, Fantasia, Annette Benning should win. Okay. That's a fair thing. That's a fair approach to it. Um, Cause I mean, like looking at last year, um, when you look at who, the big snub last year was Viola Davis and the Woman King. And that happened because she didn't have enough number one votes. And I think we see this as a pattern throughout time. The big snubs are the people who sort of exist. In the two of the three lanes. Yeah, the three, four, five slots on a ballot. The number one slots are where you need to be if you want to make it in. Not not to bring up last year, but Past Lives is a little film that with a, with, with a big heart. <laughs> It's a big film with a big heart. <laughs> I mean, little film in that it's a A24 indie production. Um, but yeah. Um, okay. So quick question, right, um, is about the song, actually. I didn't know much about the song. I, I, was this the one playing over yeah. the credits or, or somewhere else? Uh, I believe it's credits. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, as an SL, what did you think of the song? Like, how does it stack up against others? Do you think it could sneak in a win or, or no? Um, or nomination? Yeah, I was surprised to see it shortlisted. Um, I think it's a lovely song. Um, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful song. I don't know. I just think there's, I mean, from it, like from a technical, like my personal opinion perspective, I think there's better options out there in the world. This is not where I, there are many categories where I think past lives deserves to be in the conversation. And it's not, it, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, sound, for example, I think it's this is by far the best sound of the year. Sound is, um, I, I would I would have agreed with a sound nomination here. I, I wouldn't have predicted yeah. it, but I would, have, I would have agreed with it. No, I, I never predicted it, but it would have deserved. Score, I know people I, were saying it's so they got, in, uh, got it in for score. Yeah, some people... Some people did. I was not one of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, a song is, um, it's a perfectly fine song. And if it does manage to make the nomination, I won't be mad about it. I don't, I don't think it will. I don't think it's a particularly memorable song. Um, I think it would be a very big overperformance if it managed to get there. It's um, Kind of like a Nico Case type, like acoustic-y, rocky, but not really rocky. It's not like an anthem type song that generally gets gets in these things. So yeah, and it's not like a classic power ballad or more dancey song. It just doesn't fit into the archetypes. And as much as and as much as you know, it's a greatly beloved film that premiered earlier in the year, starring an Asian cast. It's no everything ever all at once. Was going to get nominated literally everywhere. That also, I think, was a more memorable song. Yeah. Too. So, I, and that had David Byrne. Do you know who Sharon Von Etten is? I don't. I, I get, exactly. I'm not the big music and person. So. <laughs> um, all right. I mean, anything else? Any other thing? I mean, obviously, we both love the film, right? I mean, yeah. there's. Not, I don't think there's anything we can't. We can really say that hasn't been said. It's been out for almost a year at this point, right? So many people have talked about the film. How amazing it is! Anything else you want to talk about the film before we move on to the color purple? Um, yeah, well, I was going to explain why I have it at number three. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go um, go for why it's number three. <laughs> so it just feels like one of the safest films for a nomination. If you were to ask me to rank them for a win, it would probably be more in that 7-8 slot. But for a nomination, it feels extremely safe. It's clearly the A24 priority, blah, 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 blah. 
it's pro it's clearly the most successful indie of the year um it's hit everything and it will continue to hit everything it feels like a shoe in for bafta based on the long list performance um i don't think it's gonna make sag ensemble but it doesn't need it it's not that type of movie um it it's just feels like a lock and I use the word lock very, very conservatively. So when I use it, you know, I really, really mean it. It's more it. like a, it's more like a, it's more like a, a hair, it's more like a, a hairpin put through the, through the door, through the door lock. Or through the, through <laughs> yeah, the keyhole. Tr- yeah. Truly. If a voter is like super into independent films, mm-hmm. all of those voters are going to put p- past lives at number one. If a voter is really into, summer releases for whatever reason it's past lives it's like there's a hundred different types of voters who will go for past lives before they will go for other things mm-hmm. i can find a th- easy it would be one of the fastest exercises to find a hundred people who think that um past lives should win best picture I, it, it just feels like it's in and it's yeah. I think that's a hard. I think to be to be fair, I think at some point, right, it kind of turns the this whole conversation turns into who should win Best Picture, and then who do you think will win Best Picture, right? People sometimes get the two mixed up to some degree, yes. right? This um, is true. Like, I think personally, I mean, I I'm personally in the Oppenheimer where I think Oppenheimer will win Best Picture, and from a production point of view like i i'm very much someone who's like into like the production side of things like all of that that went into oppenheimer that that would be why i would pick it for number one but i could very well also see if you're much more i do have yeah go ahead i do have oppenheimer at number one to be clear yeah to win as but as far as should win i I can definitely see if someone's more narrative driven perhaps i think i think past lives is kind of like between that or maybe poor things is like maybe like the stronger narrative and and arguably probably past things more so yeah. And I don't think anyone who's like kind of more of a hybrid, like considering both, those people will still vote for Past Lives too. Like, yeah. Past Lives does have strong technical. I mentioned sound, but also cinematography. It should, mm-hmm. it really should be more in the race for um, editing. Yeah. yeah. Question. For, okay. So for screenplay, yeah. it's currently number two for screenplay um, uh, behind the holdovers, right? Um, I have yet to see the holdovers. I'm not going to see it tonight or tomorrow before I record the next episode. Um, okay. Do you think it can beat holdovers for screenplay? I mean, I have holdovers at four. Okay, well, that's so. another hot take. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I probably should move it back into three. Um, I think May December is a solid number two to past lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're predicting a past lives win then for for screenplay? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I feel pretty pretty good about that especially with the barbie moving into adapted that yeah that's a whole other mess (laughs) r.i.p all of us changes we'll talk about that later um but yeah i okay so i again i think for me this is an emotional heads where i love the film i i I, not i don't just like the film i love the film um but you know my logical vein of like hey the precursors right like it, 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 it the other thing was that i think going into the mid-season awards like they, that they do right before the summer, right? And they talk about like, oh, here are the spring films that released earlier in the year. Like last year, everything overall once swept those awards, right? Which kind of was yes. an indicator. The momentum is going to keep going there throughout the year. 
past mm-hmm. I've split the awards with air, which maybe okay, maybe there's not as much like enthusiasm for this. But you know, I guess coming out of the fall festival, maybe there weren't as many super, super strong hits this year as there were in previous years. So past lives is, is back in the race then, I think. Yes. And also I think I was similarly concerned in retrospect, I think holding past lives to the standard of the most awarded film of all time was probably a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Can I ask, I'm curious, where do you have past lives on your director lineup? Director lineup? I mean, I honestly haven't really thought about my director lineup too far past the five, um, because for me, those five are pretty locked, and I don't really want to spend too much time thinking about it beyond that. Um, but I would say my is number one Nolan is, I mean, Scorsese, I mean Nolan Scorsese, um, uh, Triage, Triage, my kind of like my hot take there. Gerwig. Oh, I have read number four. Who? Celine Song. No, Triage. Triage. Okay, actually, and then um, actually, I'm looking. Oh, and then and then Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos, right? Yes. It's kind of like the big three: poor things, Barbie, poor things. Uh, the big four plus Triage, basically. Gotcha. So um, I mean, I could see Song. I don't know how often they award first-time directors. Um, not that's a, very. That's that's the other hard part here as well, right? I think they're more likely to award first time screenwriter as opposed to first time director, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard because that's honestly the only thing holding me back from putting her in director, and it's a big thing. But yeah. like, she, this is the type of thing that gets mm. a director nomination. It is. So clearly a directorial feat yeah. first and foremost. It's a strange I, I don't have her in. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I, yeah, the other reason I, I haven't been as hot on a, on on this is because last year, right? I mean it was clear A twenty four was a hundred percent in on everything everywhere, right? I don't think they yeah. really did they really campaign anything else last year that all that much? Yes. Are you kidding? They Which can, one? Um, I forget. It's been too it's been too close. long. Close. Uh there was the whale. Okay, the whale, I, sorry. But uh, the whale was mostly off of Brendan Fraser and and costume, yeah, and they right? didn't do a lot of campaigning for that one, but they did a little bit. They campaigned Marcel pretty heavily. Yeah, but those are like, uh, again, those are like kind of like niche categories, like specific for specific categories here, right? Sure. I feel here they're trying to split their their attention between past lives and zone of interest, which you can argue zone of interest is more international, but zone of interest also has. You know, kind of second fiddle, frankly, to most of the uh, the sure. the anatomy awards, but still, they're I think pushing for it to some degree, right? So I don't sure. think they're quite as a hundred percent in on past lives as they were in last year, which is the other kind somewhat yeah. concern that I had. I mean, I don't think that there's any. I can't really think of any category where, besides maybe director, where both past lives and zone of interest are. Directly competing. Yeah, they don't have a lead actress. They don't. They're not an original. Yeah, it just comes down to a matter of of, of hypothetically, right? A twenty four has a set number of resources that they're putting into it, whereas yeah. before it was probably like seventy five to ninety percent was going to everything, everywhere, all at once. The other films yeah. kind of got like what was left over. Here it feels like a little bit more of an even split between the two. Um, I would, that, that's my perception. I mean, just based on just based on my email inbox and like the uh, SCL emails I get and whatnot. I would say it's probably more like 70-30. Okay. Fair enough. That's a, uh, that's that's a benefit that you have being in the industry as opposed to myself. But yeah, yeah. fair enough. All right. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I think we'll leave it at past lives. You know, we, we do have two other films to talk about, and I already cut this down from four films last year to three films, so we wouldn't go Wait, for two hours like that. There are other movies like besides that. past lives? I don't know of any. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think you will like this next one. Uh, the Color Purple. So The Color Purple is the coming-of-age musical oh, period drama, which adapts the Broadway musical of the same name, which in turn adapts the 1982 novel of the same name by Alice Walker. Of course, the Alice Walker novel was adapted in 1985 by Steven Spielberg, who that film had a record-breaking 11 nominations, won none of them, which is a shame. Um, Spielberg and producer Quincy Jones are... So even though it's a, technically a separate film, Spielberg and producer Quincy Jones are back uh, as producers of this film, as well as Oprah Winfrey, who, of course, appeared in the 1985 film as Sophia. Um, the film follows Celie, an African-American woman growing up in post-Civil War Georgia as she is kept down in her life by the men around her while being uplifted by strong female figures. Uh, Warner Brothers released The Color Purple in the U.S. on Christmas Day, has been nominated for five Critics' Choice Awards, two Golden Globes, and two Satellite Awards. Um, on Metacritic, it has 73 on for, and, and 43 reviews. Ron Tomatoes, 87 on 170 reviews, a 7.4 score. And Leatherbox, 3.7 on 19,000 reviews. According to Gold Derby, The Color Purple is in contention four. Uh, it's currently number 11 for Best Picture. Number seven for Actress, which is Fantasia Barino as Sealy. Notably, Fantasia did play Sealy in the 2007 production and the national tour of the musical. Uh, supporting actress at number two is Daniel Brooks as Sophia. Um, uh, 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 Brooks played Sophia in the 2015 revival. And then also in supporting actress, Taraji P. Henson as Sug Avery at number seven. Um, it's also currently number six for cinematography, number four for costume design, though um, this is, we recently just saw that it missed the nominations at the, uh, the Costume Designer Guild Award. Um, number five for production design, Number it's shortlisted for score at number eight, and currently is at number four for song for Keep It moving which i think is a uh, appears earlier on the film i think it's an original song i'm not I, i'm not as familiar with the soundtrack yes of the musical of the musical an oh. original song okay sounds like uh starring featuring Haley bailey um um and then also number 11 uh, for the song superpower with, from pantasia which is shortlisted um i believe that's the credit song as well um yes. so i mean my rationale for having it not be in picture i mean this was in the conversation Do you need for, one anymore <laughs> okay well for a long time <laughs> For a long time, right? I mean, we were all talking about Color Purple. It's like the obligatory Christmas Day release that gets into um, Best Picture. It's a big musical it's, number type thing. Um, however, no, it's Aquaman. Yeah, it's, it's totally <laughs> Aquaman. I mean, arguably, you could say, I don't know, the Iron Claw, Ferrari. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, however, when it missed both AFI and NBR, I think for a lot of people, that's when the alarm bell started going off. Um, only 16% of Best Picture nominees have missed both of those. And most of the time, those are international films that do so. So, um, the fact that it, it missed a lot at the at the at, it it only has two globes for acting, only two satellite awards, and it missed most of the uh, the BAFTA long list. I think um, Whitney, do you want to say a couple of, of words of prayer over the uh, the body of the color purple? Not really. <laughs> okay, okay, and I okay. will. I will. Okay. okay, let's let's start. What do we like about this film? Because I saw this um, the other okay. day. Quality wise. Yes. Quality wise, this film is better than it's been treated. So yes, I will agree with that. It is better than it's been treated. Um, um, there are there are definitely some films in contention I would like this over. Cuff Cuff Maestro. <laughs> cuff Cuff um, Holdovers. I haven't still, still haven't seen Holdovers. I can't speak on that. But um, well, I can. Yeah. And I will. Um, <laughs> but, okay, I mean, Purple, so obviously, like, have you seen the you've seen the original nineteen eighty eighty five? I've film? seen the original. I've read the book. It's one of my favorite books. I, I, 
it i mean who hasn't read the book everyone well, i haven't read it frankly <laughs> okay well that's strange. that's my problem not um, yours. um <laughs> i will say right having so i i did do a, a as long as uh, we agree it's a problem Yes, it's a problem. Um, I did so. I saw the the Steven Spielberg version a couple of years ago when sure. I was doing this retrospective on early Spielberg films, right? Um, and this was like M. Spielberg's first serious film, right? Now, yeah. if I'm comparing the two, right, um, this one definitely you know feels like a musical, right? You can definitely feel like oh, these were set pieces, right? This is how they're transitioning between the set pieces. This is them breaking into song. I will say, narratively, structurally, I think obviously having it to be a musical takes time away from being able to actually more fully develop, I think, uh, the characters to some degree. You like Musicals, you do characterization through the songs, right? Um, which sure. can work. But I think, you know, as, as opposed to a straight narrative, right? Like, for example, the the, the next, sa- the, the, the beard saving scene that, that they do, right? Um, the way it's, it's done in my memory of the Spielberg version was a lot more tense, and had a lot more emotion behind it than the scene here. That's just me personally, my take on it. So yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed the color purple 2023 for what it was, and it, the musical element definitely added a different spin on it than I had bef- than than um, than, the, than the first one. Um, as a straight narrative, I think the other one was probably a little bit stronger for someone who had never seen the film before. I think. I think this was a more faithful adaptation than Spielberg's of the of the novel. Yeah, at least like it's okay. a, more spiritually faithful, um, in the sense that it Spielberg really cut out most of the moments of joy from the from the interesting. Book. Okay, that that's a fair take. This movie put it back in, and I think that was necessary and important. I agree with you that the so- the songs didn't really do as much as they could have to develop characters a lot of them felt like this could have been an email cute <laughs> melody but we, cute melody I, it's I a good need... it's a good time to get you like i was i was in a in the theater and they were definitely you know some some older older black folk in in this yeah. theater with me there was definitely some clapping going on during some of the songs for sure so it's good yeah a good sure. time from a narrative perspective maybe not as much yeah i mean look anytime you get to rise p henson singing on screen I'll give you an extra star on my letterbox. It's all, we're all good. Um, also, can I just say, how in the, this this makes me mad. Why do we have Oscars if Taraji P. Henson can't win an Oscar for this? This, it's ridiculous. It's so, absurd. It's offensive. Okay, so I'm get to, terrified. Let's get to, let's no, get frustrated, pissed off. Let's get the supporting actress then. So obviously the okay. front one that most people are saying is Daniel Brooks. Um, for Sophia, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Taraji P. Henson, right? Currently number seven. Personally, I would swap the two around, in my opinion. That's just me personally. Yeah. Um, me not not to take away from, from Daniel Brooks' performance. I just thought... No, she was great. Um, I will say, I think Brooks probably had a wider range of her acting, right? Because obviously she has her, her strong, independent woman self, but then also the yeah. scenes from the prison when she's beaten down and kind of recovering from that. So there's that whole range element to it, whereas Taraji P. Henson is, you know, a little bit more all on the upper high energy level side of things. Sure. Um, so maybe that might, be, that might be a factor into it, but yeah. I think narratively, I think, I think uh, you know, Suk Avery's character does a little bit more for the C League, but that thing that might that might be a factor of the script as opposed to Henson herself. But so is the factor of the range 
of yeah. Danielle Brooks having the duality. That's yeah. also something that's in the script that's not in the script for sure. Right, fair enough, um, fair enough. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's my personal take. It seems like if there is one to get nominated from here for this actress, it might be Brooks. Um, which yeah. again, not to take anything away from her, I just also would love to see uh, Henson. Who knows? Supporting actress is up in the air, right? Like like with Barbie moving out, or no, sorry, that's the yeah, that's adapted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, with with <laughs> yeah, when, they when, all I mean, their supporting when, actresses into lead. <laughs> but no, I mean when when Lily Gladstone moved in, you know, there's a little bit more space, right? So who knows? Yes. Um, um still yeah, I mean, both both are amazing, amazing, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it missed on costume, which I thought was one of the better parts of the film for sure, unfortunately. Like, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is very surface level, but you know, Haley Bailey with her, um, with her, the with her sun hat, hat, that's basically yeah. a halo. I mean, very surface level, but very effective, right? Yeah, um. I don't, and 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 also obviously I think it, I, I was putting putting to Discord if there was a choreography slash stunts category this year, it would be a crime if this didn't get nominated for that. Um, I mean, obviously yeah. they might go for you know stunts more so than choreography, but in my head, as someone who was a former dancer, like the choreography here was great, and the fact that they had they had their okay. costumes look authentic but also danceable in is you know a testament to that as well. So, um, I mean. What, I mean, what, yeah. Where else do you? Where else? I guess did you have it um, before? Before it, it started coming down. I had it in picture. I dropped it about forty five seconds before we st- started recording because um, of BAFTA long list. I knew it was gonna. Yeah, I knew it was gonna do bad on the BAFTA long list. I didn't think it was gonna do this bad. Um, for the record, it only got Fantasia and Danielle Brooks. It seems like no branch other than the acting branch watched the movie, apparently. I mean, um, as it, is, it had a good opening at the box office, but it's dropped off pretty hard since then, unfortunately. I mean, you'd expect it to show up in some of the text. I know it's not, like, I wouldn't expect it to be nominated in all of them, but, like, I would at least expect it to be list. Like, long-listed. Yeah. yeah. Long-listed, yeah. Um, I had it in... Um, there was a, I mean, a very long time ago, I had it in director. I haven't had it in director for a very long time. I still have Colin Domingo at number seven. For supporting um, actor. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think with how much Rustin has fallen apart, maybe there'll be some Rustin fans who try and support him. Maybe. I don't think it's going to happen. Were there Rustin but... fans? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there were. I wasn't one of them, but they existed somewhere. <laughs> somewhere who knows the mythical yeah. western fan yeah um i had brooks and henson both in my five for a while um now i have danielle brooks at my number three and tarashi b henson at my number i can't believe i'm saying this nine no i can't say it i'm moving her up to eight i'm moving her above rachel mcadams i just can't i can't bear to put her there <laughs> um I very briefly for like a 30 second thing had her had them in a screenplay, which was a good screenplay. I do think mm-hmm. it's not the type of thing that gets nominated, but it was a good screenplay. I mean, yeah, adapted screenplay, though, is very stacked. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but we've also seen them do insane things, even in stacked years. So True. I, I thought maybe for a bit, but that's yeah. gone. Um, I had it in cinematography. I finally dropped it for Maestro. Um, I never had it in costumes just because Francine Jamison, Tenshuk, she's never been nominated person. before. 
yeah, yeah. she's never been nominated before they don't like to do that yeah i took a flyer um, on her for the uh for the for red carpet rosters with the costume meal just the on the off chance it happened and i yeah. I, I got presents for that so um yeah yeah uh, let's I, see I think also Holly Waddington for Poor Things being in the mix. Um, She's going to get that first time nominee slot. That's just Mm. a thing. So that's kind of what killed her. Okay. Um, I had it in editing for a while. I had, I never had it in hair and makeup. I don't know why people did. Uh, It's Uh, probably because this is like a tendency historically to put like black films in hair and makeup for whatever reason. Yes, but we've also... That's also in part because it's only been recently that there's been this many number of films with this much prosthetics. Mm. Yeah, um, That's something that's increased over time. And as that's happened, everything else has just gotten shoved off the list. I'd never had it in score. I never even thought about it for score. But when it got shortlisted, which was, that was a surprise. That was okay. a very, um, but then I went back and listened to it standalone and I do understand it. Um, you don't think it's going to get nominated, though? I don't think it's going to get nominated, but um, I respect why it's been shortlisted. It's a very good score. Um, I think if the movie was stronger, I would consider it more. But like as it is, I'm already cutting off like things like Killers of the Flower Moon from score, which is that crazy. is a hot. Okay, that is a spicy hot take. Oh, do you want me to get into that? <laughs> uh, let's do it at the end. Let's do it at the end. Okay, um, okay. We'll, we'll do a whole separate thing on the musical categories. Um, okay. Put that, what about production oh, and design? Then, sorry, one last thing. Sound. I The sound mixing in this movie is exactly like the sound mixing in every other movie besides Past Lives and Anatomy of a Fall this year. Bad. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> it didn't get shortlisted for that. So um, what about production design? Did you have it in there? Um, I had it in when I had it in picture. I mean, it's currently number um, five, so who knows? Um, I have it at number eight. Okay. Um, and I mean, any of these eight could make it. Um, I'm going to delete everything below it, actually, because there's no way Guardians of the Galaxy is making a comeback. Nope. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I love the movie, but um, what about song? Wait, so so another one of your expertise, right? Oh, song, song, right? So yes. currently, the number four song. It, it's one of the only films to actually get two films shortlisted, or more than one film shortlisted, right? The other being, of course, song, Barbie. Yeah. Um, the n- number currently the fun one seems to be "Keep It Moving," um, which is the new song with Halle Bailey and and um, mm-hmm. and that 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 they sing kind of more to be toward the beginning of the film. Um, yeah. I believe it won. It got nominated at the Hollywood Music Media Awards, um, which is why yes. it has it above, as opposed to the more traditional credit song um, "Superpower," which I believe Fantasia sings. Um, that's yes. number eleven on Gold Derby. So, I mean, song is hard for people to predict usually, aside from knowing yeah. that Diane Warren is going to get in and <laughs> probably going to be the Barbie in number one and two. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, how, which, how do you feel about both of these songs? So. Um... Well, first of all, Florence Sun also got two songs on the list. Oh, but, yes, um, two, two. Uh, not that I have either of them anywhere near. <laughs> they're they're my number fourteen and fifteen. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, they were pleasant. These are pleasant songs. Um, <laughs> you think? Uh, what, I think, you think when it's not- I have keep it moving in just because it's hit it's hit things and superpower hasn't but honestly i might switch those back around 
Um, it's it's kind of a weak year for Song, to be honest. Yeah, so, I'll agree with that. And this, I mean, it did seem to overperform with the music branch, right? Getting both songs, getting score. So it's possible that... So I think maybe just because I mean, of the, that overperformance specifically in that branch. I mean, spoiler, I, the musical film does well with the music bands. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but those are strange. Um, the score nomination is a strange thing for a musical. And uh, the um, uh, and these songs were not by no means locks to both make it onto the list. So the fact that it is a good sign. Okay, okay. You know, the more I look at it, Superpower might be the one. Um, Keep It Moving has some great songs, and it is, I think... It's a fun Recently, song. we've seen them sort of turn towards... They prefer upbeat songs now. Yeah. Superpower is not that. It's the ballad. It It is. It, I mean, it's like a mid-tempo, mm-hmm. but... It it's also better, first of all. <laughs> so that's part of it. But also it's um it's got more of that spiritual feeling that the rest of the yeah. film has. It kind it actually does remind me a bit of um the song from Everything Everywhere All at Once last year. Okay. In the sense that it's this nice little like cathartic moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. If there was a song that you would have nominated, um, which one would it be? I mean, I guess they couldn't use the songs from the from the from the yeah. Broadway, right? Yeah, they couldn't have not used any of the songs from the musical. To be honest, I I don't love a lot of the songs from the original. <laughs> I don't think they work very well as especially standalone. Okay. Um, and I think that the ones the original songs for that they made for the movie are superior. I okay, think I would enough. go superpower if I was going to pick one of them. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I I would if I could pick anything I, for that fifth slot, I would have picked I Am from Origin, but that didn't make the short list. So, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, any other thoughts on 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 the film in general? I saw one comment on Reddit um, that uh, you know, like the last film, they didn't go more into Sug Avery, Sug and uh, Celie's relationship, which apparently in the book was a lot more uh, intense and explicit. Um, yes. which, you know, given that there were, uh, church groups busting people out to watch this film on Christmas day, <laughs> understandable why they didn't do that. Um, not saying I like it, but understandable. I mean, I would say they're more just sort of, it's less sexually explicit, but it's still there. It's significantly there more than the original or quote unquote original movie, less than the book. It's, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And well, they still make it very clear what's happening. Yeah. So. Well, one of these days we're going to get a uh, color purple adaptation that actually wins uh, more, gets nominated for, and wins a lot of awards. Uh, yes. So we shall see. It's not this year. Not this year. I will say I do still have it at number eleven. It, it's not dead. Yeah. It, it yeah. can still get SAG ensemble. It still has a path. Okay. If it gets SAG ensemble, and then it gets, I mean. Path to nomination, you would need Fantasia to sneak in there into the five, and then um, sure. and then Daniel Brooks and two two actresses, maybe at two above the line, could maybe get it through there. Maybe a, maybe I mean, a, you could just do Color Purple and Brooks. I, I that 
fair. Yeah, I, ten I feel like historically of most open. of the most of the solo nominations for best pick for best picture that only have one above mm-hmm. the line usually are in screenplay, which I guess in the retrospect makes it more likely that past lives get in with only one nomination. So sure. I mean, fair. we saw it with extremely loud and incredibly close. We saw it with Selma. They do weird. Selma, Selma was an out, was a hell of an outlier. Um, yeah, it had it got only one below the line nomination. Yes, for I believe that was because it released just way too late for people to to have seen it with <laughs> all the precursors. Um, well, also, I think it was um, people. I think it was, was the kind of thing that people felt like they quote unquote had to put on their ballots. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, looking at the other possible route is three, but like the other route I said before is three below the line nominations. So. Mm-hmm. Costume design, if it can stay there, produ- production design, if it can mm-hmm. stick in there, and then song, cinematography. Right? Uh, cinematography is maybe right number six on Gold Derby right now. So I would I would go to cinematography before I would go to costumes, to be honest. No, yeah, because it did miss the costume guild, right? Um, yeah, and, I mean, and I it also think, missed the BAFTA long list. Yeah, I don't think it's category. absolutely dead. That said, sure. Barbie, I think, is going to take up most of Warner Brothers' focus at the moment. Yes. Um, yes. So. It is what it is. Um, you know, it's still a good movie. Glad I saw it for sure. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, it's a more it's a more accessible version of the story than the 1985 version. Like the 1985 version hit deep, really hard. Yeah. Um, this one was a little bit easier to get through. Yeah. This was. Um, yeah, like I said, Spielberg cut kind of most of the moments of joy out of it. He was really trying mm-hmm. to be. Hyper serious, but a serious director. So, yeah. Um, okay. Finally, uh, the last film is one that I don't think there's a chance right now, given the recent moves in uh, adapted screenplay. Um, but well, it, it 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 had a good day today. Oh, it did have a good day today. But okay, so it is all of us strangers. Of course, it's a British romantic fantasy, so of course it's going to do well at the BAFTA long lists. Um, but it adapts actually interesting fact I found I learned today putting together the notes. Um, it adapts a 1987 Japanese novel called Strangers by Taichi Yamada. It's actually the second adaptation mm-hmm. of this novel. The other was a 1988 horror film from Japan called uh, Dis- The Discarnatus. So I'm definitely going to try to find a copy of that and watch it to compare the two. Um, I have a feeling <laughs> that, the, that, that the original Japanese has less of a queer, queer subtext to it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, the Paul Mescal character was uh, turned into a man by the director, so... Mm. All right. So in 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 any case, all of us strangers in in a lone it features a lonely writer Adam, uh, played by Andrew Scott, who develops a relationship with his neighbor Harry, played by Paul Mescal. Um, in doing so, you know Adam is pulled back to his childhood home where he somehow discovers his long dead parents are still living. Very spooky. Um, all of us strangers debuted at the Telluride Film Festival, and Searchlight released it in the U.S. Uh, December twenty second. It will release in the U.K. later this month. It was named one of the top independent films by the National Board of Review and won Best British Independent Film among five other total awards from the British Independent Film Awards. It has been nominated for one Globe, one Critics' Choice Movie Awards, two Satellites, and three Independent Spirit Awards, and I didn't have time to tally them up, but has been longlisted for a lot of stuff uh, at the back this year. Ten total. Okay, that's really good. Um, you know, Metacritic yeah. has 89 on 43 reviews. Um, Rotten Tomatoes is 94 on 161 reviews with an 8.6 score. And Letterboxd has, has a 4.02 on 20,000 reviews. Um, on Gold Derby, it's currently 15th for Best Picture. Um, not great, but it is also number 7 for Actor for Andrew Scott and number 7 for Adapted Screenplay by Director Andrew Hay. So my rationale for including it in this list. One... 
when I was putting together very at the beginning of the season, right? Historically, right, Disney in general, which includes Searchlight, historically has had about two nominations a year, right? Um, and so, you know, given that Poor Things was going to be one of them, right? Pretty, pretty early on, it became clear that was the case. The other ones is like what what could it be? I think I thought this was probably gonna be the most likely one of the other of other of the others to come out. Um yeah. and outside and of I the still British, think that's true. Yeah. It, and that is true. But outside of the British Awards, unfortunately, um, it hasn't really made that much of a splash for better or for worse, right? And so, you know, the only real path to viability is screenplay and her actor, um, which is oddly reminiscent of uh, After Sun from last year, right? Another little British indie film that could, that features a depressed Paul Mescal daddy dancing in the club. Um, so, yeah, uh, very similar, eerie similarities there. Um, but the fact that in recent days, you know, for a while, Barbie was in uh, original screenplay, right? People were saying, so this could potentially have been like the fifth or sixth for um, adapted screenplay with Barbie moving into that category makes it a lot harder for this one to to get that adapted screenplay. So the only real side it has is to somehow sneak in that seventh nomination uh, for Andrew Scott um, for, for actor. So. Which I do have happening. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I have. I, I. I actually. That's my kind of like. You know. Like I don't like one of the things I've I've noticed over the years is historically there's a pretty consistent trend at about there are about eight above the line nominations that do not go to best picture nominees. Sure. Right. Um. And so I don't think all of us films will get best picture. To be clear up front, even though we're talking in the best picture preview. Um. I, I thought, or, or again, early on when I was setting up these episodes, I thought this might be one of them, um, but yeah. um, not impossible, but not impossible, but not likely. But I do think Andrew Scott might get one of those obligatory above the line nomination for a non BP film. I've got to say, when I set when I saw that this was on a list for you at all, I was pretty surprised, and I was so excited to hear why. And it's an interesting I hear you explain. Um, it does, yeah, your reasoning makes sense for including it in this now, series. It might be the case that maybe Disney, you know, obviously this year has not had a great year overall, right? Most of the Marvel sure. films flopped. Um, the animation films hasn't been doing super great box office wise. So maybe they're not going to be spending as much on their campaigns this year. So they're just putting it all on poor things. So maybe that's why it's been underperforming, perhaps. Um, who knows? Well, um, it's also a late release. So you wouldn't expect it to start performing well until. Like now, now with Baptist coming out, so who yeah. knows, right? Again, I again, let's just talk. So that's all the awards stuff. Um, let's get to the actual film itself. Um, yes. What did you think? Because that's of the Paul real great reason for <laughs> for having uh, it. Yeah, the real reason we're including this is because it's a great movie that we want to talk about. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, what, what, how, 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 what did you think of all of the strangers? Um, I was not prepared. <laughs> I was not prepared. I sat down. I, I to watch it, um, uh, nice and comfortable. I was like, I think this movie might make me cry, so I'm gonna watch it alone with my screener on my big TV. I got my hot tamale. Shout out Eva Longoria, um, and I I was eating and uh, first I was crying because I put too many in my mouth and my mouth got really spicy. And then I was crying because of the movie, and then I was just sobbing for like hours and hours after, which is. That's not. I cry a lot at movies. I don't cry that intensely, though. That it, I yeah yeah. You talk, please. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say I saw this double feature. Uh, this this first no no this second. I saw American Fiction first. 
uh, followed by this. Um, both were showing at the Lincoln Center AMC here, um, and it actually wow. made for it made for an interesting double feature actually because uh-huh. you know American Fiction kind of talk you know Monk's character in, in American Fiction is you know kind of like a bit of a loner right he doesn't really know how to open up let people love him and in that yeah. sense right that's kind of like a similar theme here where where Adam right um, you know Andrew Scott's character is kind of a bit of a loner it's like it's about him learning to open up to letting Harry into his life to some degree right and letting him love of him entirely right so that was an interesting comparison between the two especially also right like the idea of how this loss of a parental figure earlier on in their life um again spoilers for 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 american fiction you know his dad dies who he was, he was kind of closer to and how it kind of like impacts him same thing here with 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 adam's character and and um and and then his parents right um kind of how it impacts him growing up so that was an interesting double feature um on the crying bit now, I'm kind of the opposite. I very rarely cry at movies, right? Sure. Um, even like the most emotional stuff, I very rarely cry. This was the first film in a while. I didn't cry, but I definitely teared up a little bit. Um, got a little misty-eyed for sure. So that's an accomplishment in my book, uh, for sure. I think the last film before this I actually shed tears at was um, The Tale of the Princess Kaguya from Isao Takahata from Studio Ghibli. So, okay. um, yeah, this was, you know, the fact that it could move me to tear up a little bit. This is toward the end when he was saying goodbye to his parents. Um, definitely got uh, very emotional. Yeah. I think I think it's something about saying goodbye to parents because also the scene in, in Ka- Princess Kaguya where I teared up was when she was leaving her parents to go to the moon. So something about, like, saying goodbye to parents will, will get me every time, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love this film. It was, you know, very subtle. Um, a little confused what was going on for, for – at one point, it's like, are they dead? Is he just – is he, like, walking through this house in the suburbs and, like, yeah. just, like, looking out at this old house which probably somebody else also already lives in and just being a creeper, basically? Um, is he actually seeing this ghost? Is this all in his head? Like, what's going on? Um, sure. But, I mean, I think that's intentional, though. Like, yeah, and I, I don't think it, supposed... it's important to, like, what is actually happening. It's all about the emotional journey that he has, right? Um, sure. of 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 coming to terms with with how his parents, you know, I mean, I mean, this is you know, again, this film, this this episode is ostensibly about you know dealing with life as a minority, right? Um, in in Western society, and you know, him never really having had the chance to come out to his parents, um, when they were alive, right, and kind of coming to terms with that and how what it means yeah. for his relationship with his neighbor, right, which is a whole which with 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 with, with ghost uh, Paul Mescal, um. So yeah, I mean that's a whole you know what 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 how how did that whole element of it like what how did how did that how did it cover this depiction of of LGBTQ ness and and coming out and all that and and regret and all that? As someone with extreme daddy issues, I can say that it uh, definitely covered the uh, uh, there's a really important like generational divide mm-hmm. um, in the queer communities, especially between like the AIDS generation and the generation that came after. Um, And I think it really covered that in a very, in a way that could have only been written by a gay man. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the specificity to it, that could have only been written by Andrew Haig specifically, I think. Um, And I think, so I think from that from the perspective of queerness, mm-hmm. this was an important and necessary thing. You know, we've seen a hundred coming out stories before. I there's nothing inherently new to that, but the I think the take of it being to the to coming out to a parent who uh, has passed. 
who's passed when you're already out everywhere else in the world and for you it's just your normal life already that was really interesting there it was almost a little it, it was kind of a little funny almost i was i was laughing almost at the at claire I, voice what, at the way claire was playing yeah, it what i found interesting was you know i don't know I haven't seen too many coming out stories, right? In in sure. uh, which was made by Sudfix, but um, you know, I found it interesting that when he came out to his parents, right? So he comes out separately, one to his mom, and then he doesn't quite come out to his dad. But you know, the the idea is that maybe the mom has told the dad, right? And the dad is yeah. seems to be much more accepting about it earlier on than the mom would be. Which I guess in my head, for whatever reason, like the the stereotype is that you know when you come out to your mom like they tend to be maybe they're the ones who are a little bit more accepting than a dad might be especially if it's like a more hyper hyper macho type you know old 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 style old school type of dad basically right which given he that the dad was from that generation would have been and it was it was very I don't know uh relieving refreshing to see the stereotype kind of in my head kind of like be subverted to some degree. Is that is that an actual stereotype or or what? I mean Yes, that is a. I mean, I don't really know what you mean by an actual. Stereotype. Is that is that like a stereotype? Like, is that just in my head? Is that in my in my head? Like, like in the world? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that is uh, yeah, stereotype. yes, that is a. Stereotype the stereotype is that the dad would exists. take it a lot more worse than the mom might, or or at the very least, a trope. Yeah, um, a trope. A trope. Yeah, would probably be bad. Would be a better way to say it. Yeah, I mean, stereotype probably also works. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, there there is this sort of perception about like toxic masculinity and homosexuality and how one views the, how each of them view each other, um, that this movie definitely subverts, um, really throughout all of the male characters to an extent. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting subversion. Um, I liked it, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I I found it very interesting because it was. Neither act, neither um, parent was really proactively compassionate about it. You know, like um, the uh, Claire, the mother was. I wouldn't say the mother was angry or upset. She was just sort of taken aback. Yeah, she was a lot more taken aback by it. I think, or more, yeah. more concerned. I guess of like, do I have to yeah. worry about this? Do I have to worry about that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this element of almost like what culture again, shock across, which again, across is, time. Is, which again makes sense because they're from I think the eighties or whatever time period that yeah. it was when when they died. So, yeah, and that was that was that that was what was amusing to me at that time because, yeah, but um, and then, whereas the dad was kind of he 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 was very like nonchalant about it is how I would say mm-hmm. like he kind of always knew kind of thing but never had it confirmed. Yeah, there, yeah, there was there was no element of it that was like a stereotypical reaction no oh. one w- went to an extreme in either direction which i appreciated because that's how also, real life is this was also another parallel with american fiction because the sterling k brown character in american fiction you know he has this conversation with monk where he never came out to their dad before he died and he never was going to be able to right right so that was like another interesting double feature between the two um or parallel between the two um yes and also yeah. the difference between a gay writer and a straight writer yeah just saying. fair enough <laughs> Um. Yeah. I mean, we love. I I love the film. Right. It 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 also was in my top ten films of the year alongside uh past lives for sure. So you know, I mean, it's one that I'm thinking. I'm still thinking about a lot. Right. Um. Yes. I don't know if I have too much interesting or knowledgeable to say about it. Um. Again, I hope Andrew Scott gets a nomination. 
I'm not expecting yeah. Andrew Hay to get the nomination. I don't know who I would cut for him to get the nomination. Um, I mean, I know who I would cut. I, who would be? Well, I mean, I would cut all of them for Andrew Haig personally. But okay, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be, uh, pr- I guess, Oppenheimer. Just because I think the script is the weakest Ooh. part of that movie. Ooh, that is a hot take. I I like the structure of the screenplay the most of Oppenheimer personally. I I like the structure as well. I mean, it's an insane year, so there's no name of that six that you can say that won't have somebody at your throat. Um, yeah, and, and that's even before you get to like some of the well, film Twitter faves, like "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret," or "The Zone of Interest," or Priscilla. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in any case, I will be waving a little flag in the corner come nomination day, hoping that that we hear after or in similar to After Sun with Paul Mescal getting the sole sole nomination, yeah. we hear Andrew Scott getting the sole nomination. Um, and yeah, and we'll just keep an eye out for any movies in the future of uh, Daddy Paul Mescal dancing in the club. Yes. Do you have Andrew Scott in? Uh, yes, I do. I, I mentioned it. It's the, it's the obligatory non-Best Picture Above the Line nominee for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One I have them. him at number four. I have him at number four. Okay. Um, and I'm actually looking at this. I'm gonna put Paul Giamatti back in live on air. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you know, before we wrap up, you mentioned we mentioned again. You're an SCL. You have a lot of thoughts on songs and scores and sure. all, all things audio for this race. So, what are your takes? Hot takes on the uh, on the score category. So let's let, 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 let's actually pull it up. I didn't prepare this in the notes. Let's just go ahead yeah. and pull up the uh, the the best uh, sure, score category. Um. So the current nominee, yeah, right the here. current best picture uh, predictions um, are. Doo, 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 wait, hold on. There we go. Okay, number one, Oppenheimer, Ludwig Göransson. Number two, Robbie Robertson wow. uh, for Killers of the Flower yeah, Moon. Okay. Hold on, uh, I lost it. Doo, 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 doo. Okay. I have it up if you want me to read it. Okay. But... Uh, no, I got it. I got it. Um, we're just gonna do this live. Um, Okay, and then number three, uh, Jerskin Fendrix for uh, Poor Things. Number four, Daniel Pemberton for uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And number five, Mika Levy for Zone of Interest. We also have Thomas Newman for Elemental, Joe Hisasi for Boy and the Heron. Um, and then we have, as we mentioned, uh, The Color Purple at number eight. Indiana Jones at number nine. Barbie at number 10. Society of Snow, Michael Giacchino uh, for number uh uh, Michael Giacchino um, at number eleven, American Fiction, which I did not mm-hmm. see. Uh, at number twelve, or did not understand. Number twelve, Saltburn. Number thirteen, uh, fourteen, The Holdovers, and fifteen, documentary, uh, American Symphony. So one, anyone that should have been shortlisted that was not shortlisted. Um. Oh boy, I deleted all my notes on a bunch of things after they didn't get shortlisted. Just off the top um, of your head. I really like the score for A Haunting in Venice. Mm, um, yes. Uh, and I thought Gor- that... Hilda Guarnadotier. Yeah. Um, I thought it might get shortlisted just because of her name. But yeah. um, I also think the, lo- the wrong Laura Cartman score got shortlisted. It should have been The Marvels over American Fiction. Uh, I don't think they were going to give anything to The Marvels after how it performed, unfortunately. Look, I know, I know, I know. But it's still the better score, okay? Okay. This okay. isn't best box office. This is best score. Yeah, that's the Golden Globe. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Um, the deepest breath is, in my opinion, uh, 
I really love the score for The Deepest Breath and actually all of the strangers, but The Deepest Breath, I thought should have been top mm-hmm. five. And so I was sad to I wasn't shocked to see it not get shortlisted, but I'm, I'm you know. Oh, Past Lives, we mentioned? No. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I get why that wasn't shortlisted. I, I enjoyed that score. I don't know if it needed to be in the mix. All right. Well, who are your five? Uh, for want or for predicting, and then also and then want. Okay. For um, predicting, I have. Um, I, I think my list is going to be very different than the Gold Derby five. <laughs> That's um, fine. I have number one Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Number two, Elemental, which I think was at number seven or eight. Number six. I mean, Thomas Newman always gets has like the most nominations without a win record, more so than yeah. Diane Warren. So, yeah, he is the Diane Warren of score. Fail to predict him at your own risk. Um, I put Mika Levy at three, or Levi. I don't know what they're how to say that that their name. Uh, is it Levy or Levi? I think Levi. Okay. My, Mika Levi at uh, num- number four. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Mika Levi at number three. I have John Williams for Indiana Jones at number four. That's And that's one of the ones that I'm least confident in. And then I have Daniel Pemberton as my fifth slot. Interesting. Um, I went back through the nominees because i know this is a very insular category i wanted to count and see how how insular yeah it's very rare for there to be more than one um newcomer Newcomer. in this yeah makes sense it's the same thing as costumes and so for me i was like daniel pemberton robbie robertson dirk skin well i feel robbie robertson go with robbie robertson is in a unique case because one it's a posthumous award and they will kind it might be kind of a honor all of his body of work type nomination Right. Sure. Um. And yeah. And two, it was. It was. It was. He would. He would be one of those like. Oh, he should have been nominated long time ago. Kind of situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who do you want? It's very want easy for me to make a case to put him in. Yeah. It's also very easy for me to to just. Yeah, it's a hard. Like I really want to put John Batiste in also for American Symphony. That feels like mm. something that could super easily happen. Um. It, yeah, it's a hard. It's a and Michael Giacchino as well. It's For a really hard. Yes, no, yeah, yeah. It's a hard uh, thing to parse apart. Yeah, I mean, for me, my five right now that I'm predicting. Again, the big three are Oppenheimer, Killers, Flower Moons, and Poor Things. I think. I think those right. three will just have the momentum to sweep up a lot of awards. And right. I put in Elemental, Thomas Newman, obligatory. And I actually put in Boy in the Heron for Joe Hisashi. I know he's not in the in crowd, but that's partly because of geography. And also, it's, again, kind of a similar award, the the body of work, not this specifically. Okay. That might be a little bit of hope diction for me. Than I have him at number... I have him at number 14. <laughs> yeah. Out of 15. <laughs> to be um, fair, I think that's more hope diction than an actual prediction for me. Um for, yeah, for Mika I Levi, don't think this was I also don't think this was his best score of all. It was scores. his best. It was serve it was good enough, I think. I think the ones that really stood out to me, Robbie Robertson's frankly stood out to me, just within the yes. context of the film with the the beating drums throughout, 
poor things yeah. for the eclectic nature of the like the the harpsichord type sounding thing. Um, yeah. I mean, those are the only ones that I can really point to the score specifically as as being a thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, for me, zone of interest was more a sound design thing than a score thing specifically. Yeah, I I think I would need to watch it again to grasp the score. I don't yeah, I don't know what how I feel about yeah. the score for Zone of Interest personally, but I do feel like it's just in. Mm-hmm. Um their previous nominee I think previous winner, right? Yeah, did I they think win so. for Jackie? I think so, yeah. Or did they just get nominated? I don't know. Um, um Yeah. I mean either I would, way, they're they're would, in the club. Well, would have been a fun one. Would have been a uh, May December for that piano for that piano overture. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is um, not, not so an original piece. Ah, okay, fair enough. Um, and then the other, you know, category I'm going to ask you about is song as an SEL yeah. member. Um, currently, the be- the Gold Derby's number one. What was I made for from Barbie? Number two, I'm uh-huh. just Ken from Barbie. Number three, Road to Freedom uh, from West End. Four, as you mentioned, keep it moving from the color purple. And five, our favorite, uh, forever nominated Diane Warren song, uh, the fire inside from Flame and Hot. Um, otherwise, with American Symphony, Never Went Away, Seven, Dance and Night for Barbie, Quiet Eyes from Past Lives Number Eight, High Life from Florence and Nine, The Hunger Games song Can't Catch Me Now, Ten, uh, Sleepover from Color Purple, Eleven, Am I Dreaming from Spider Verse, Twelve. Uh, a song from Kills the Flower Moon, which I didn't know was there. Um, uh, a song for my people. And then Dear Alien Who Are in Heaven at number 14 for Asteroid City. And then Meet in the Middle for Flora and Sun. So how does this five look to you that they have in Gold I Derby? mean, Diane Warren, Obligatory, Flamin' Hot. Um, that's in. Um, are the top three on Gold Derby just the top three Barbie songs? No, no, no. It's it's Barbie. What was I made for? Two because they can remember you can only have two nominations, right? Right. right. Uh, from a song, so it's what was I made for? The Billie Eilish song. I'm just Ken, Mark Ronson, and Ryan Gosling. Number three is Road to Freedom from Rustin okay. and Lenny Kravitz. Where is Where is Dance Tonight? Uh, number seven, underneath okay. American Symphony song. Okay, I mean, I think it's closer than that to decide what which two. Barbie songs are gonna get in because yeah, the one I've heard the most is "Dance the Night," just like walking in the like it's, yeah. it's getting Billboard play. Yeah, I it's charted a little bit better than what was I made for? Not much better, but a little. And then what was I made for? Is Billie Eilish, who's previously won, obviously, yes. and it's the more ballady type song. Yeah, which I actually think hurts it. I think people have kind of created this false perception of the branch really loving ballads which isn't true looking back they tend to go for more upbeat songs over ballads Mm. um like i mean natsu natsu last year uh, uh, being the most obvious example and i'm just ken to me feels like a natsu natsu level of cultural phenomenon um that wouldn't necessarily play out in stats that you can easily see, but I think yeah. I'm just Ken is in with a bullet, probably the winner, but I, I, I could also see it missing because the other two Barbie songs are also really strong. Um, I, if, if I could put all three Barbie songs in, I would. And actually I might just do it just to play the odds. <laughs> you don't know who the other two, ones would be. 
Yeah, I mean, like, because I don't know what to do with these last two slots. I have um, American Symphony and uh, Color Purple in as sort of defaults, but it could be... Yeah, American (laughs) Symphony has been overperforming in general, so... Yes. And I actually think it's going to be stronger with the music branch than it is with the doc branch. There's a very real world where it hits song and score, but not documentary. That will be fun. Um, I think it's going to get documentary, (laughs) though. Um, It also made the back to long. I think so, but I'm not confident. I'm fairly confident. I think it's Netflix's main priority at this point, and they usually will get a documentary in. Um, They do, but it also, they don't love music docs in that branch, and there is um, Stamp from the Beginning also there. So Yeah, it hasn't hit as many precursors, though, but that's just that's just my, my thoughts. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's it then. So we talked about three films. We talked about the, uh, the music stuff. Um, any other hot takes? Any other um, prayers you want to say for Color Purple? Anything else? Uh, I can't think about Color Purple anymore. I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... The sound is also something that I do a lot of work with. Um, and I I just got to say, I need people to stop acting surprised every time Barbie makes a sound list. It, it, it's, first of all, pretty much a musical. The sound mixing is incredible. There's so many sound sources. It's such an incredible feat. I need you, people to stop acting you, shocked. Who do you have for sound right now? Because right now it's Oppenheimer, uh, Maestro, Killers, Ferrari, Zone of Interest, which are also my five right now. Napoleon's number um, six. I took out Zone for Napoleon uh, just because it it's more of a – the sound effects are great, but it's not really a technical – achievement it's more of a creative directorial decision so I that don't is know true how much that makes they're sense. gonna give that makes sense i i think i think this for me the sound is just so intrinsically tied to how the film works in general like the film will not work without the sound being mixed I, away i that. agree i don't know if they're gonna credit the sound person technicians for, for what that. it's worth for what it's worth apparently the sound director the sound person on um zone of interest is the same sound person on poor things so they they had oh, no people. Oh yeah, that that's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I only know that because I was at the uh, New York Film Festival screening for it, and they mentioned, yeah, you had a busy weekend uh, while you were here doing Q and A's. Yeah, I mean, Maestro. I mean, yeah, Maestro deserves it, even if you don't like the movie. Yeah. The sound, yeah. Good. I mean, the other thing is, right? Sound ties to editing. Editing ties to best picture. So yeah. I mean, Oppenheimer, obvious. Uh, Kills of the Flower Moon. I could see it, but it's also just so closely tied to the I have editing. It at nine. You do, okay. Yeah. But that's only because it's an incredibly competitive year Category. for the sound. Like, category. how yeah. far deep would you have to go from one to whatever number, and then you pick a random selection of those numbers to get to make mm-hmm. the five? Would you not feel too upset? I mean, I'm gonna feel upset no matter what, just because How, there's a lot of bad sound wait, mixing in this in this category. Like Oppenheimer, reasonable. terrible sound, terrible sound. Oppenheimer, do better. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, to feel like surprised, it would. I could see like Mission Impossible, Dead One, Part One, Dead John Reckoning, Wick. Part One, <laughs> Lost in New York, Maverick, uh, based on a novel by Sapphire. Like I that I have that at number ten out of ten, and that I can still easily see that making it. Okay, so sound is is up in the air. Who knows? All right, any other hot takes before we sign um, off? I don't. 
Yeah, I didn't have Paul Giamatti in, and I only now have him in at number five. Well, I still haven't seen Holdover, so I can't comment on on that yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to get a lot of angry DMs about that. <laughs> I mean, partly, I almost don't want to include him just because it would make more room for people who I want to include, but... Yeah, I mean, like, Jeffrey writes in, Andrew Scott, I think, is going to be fine. I, I took out Leo for... Oh, yeah, I actually don't have Giamatti in right now, just because I haven't seen it yet, so... Oh, okay, that that makes sense. Um, and then for my 10th slot, this is a rush, so it's not a true hot take. Oh, yeah, what, but, are, you, what, um, are, you, what are you at top 10 for best okay, picture? so there's the obvious nine. Number one, Oppenheimer. Number two, Killers. Number three, Past Lives. Number four, Barbie. Number five, American Fiction. Number six, Anatomy of a Fall. Number seven, Poor Things. And number eight, The Holdovers. I finally put a lock on it this morning. Um, I, these are all like 100% chance getting in. It's not even really that worth ranking them mm-hmm. just because they're all pretty much locked. So that's eighth. Um, yes. So and the ones you're Maestro. missing right now, so the ones you would be missing would be May, December, Zone of Interest, uh, anatomy is in there or no anatomy i have at number six. Oh, okay so it's, it's right now you're missing which uh, that's probably a hot take but mm, no i have i have anatomy at eight okay i mean my mine are, are one oppenheimer two killers three poor things four barbie again i don't have past lives in mine uh five holdovers uh six okay. maestro seven american fiction eight anatomy and then my nine ten are may december and zone of interest my nine past and lives ten. and all of a stranger uh, at at eleven slash hope. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my nine and ten are Maestro, and then I threw Saltburn in there. Mm, I don't feel good about that, to be clear. But I mean, May December. Why the hell did May December okay. entirely blank at BAFTA? Yeah, it just blanked. That's crazy. So I think like that. I think May December, or no, it didn't blank. Sorry, May two. The the way the way I have May December getting in is and again I'll talk this on the on the, the other episode but briefly it came out in the juicy spot where all of the Netflix juicy films come in so Power the Dog, uh, Mank, um, um, there was another one I forget but you know it, it came in in that weekend where all of like the December first weekend where all of the priority Netflix films come in. Um, yes. Plus, given that it. It has a good shot at original screenplay and also at Charles Melton, right? It has a, a viable path. Even, you know, Julianne Moore for, for supporting actress as well. It could get, you know, a reasonable path to, to there. So, you know, and as my S2, I think, is maybe getting a little bit more criticism for it. Um, that helps May December, I think. So that that's my thought on it. Um, I see what you're saying. I'm just looking at, you know, the precursors and I'm not seeing a great path for it it's not gonna make i mean i would love for it to make sag ensemble it's got a great ensemble i don't think it's gonna make that um i'm looking at pga that doesn't feel actually i can see it making pga yeah but it's not that uh, it's still very yeah, much in not, the mix i think yeah but it's it would make it in with pretty much just the golden globes which like i how often does something make it in with just Golden Globe comedy? I don't know. I need to do much more research. As, as much as I'm the numbers guy, there's so much more I need to yeah. look at. Uh, I would say I if I'm going to... Maybe I should just do what you do and just pick what I want and then reverse engineer the, the, <laughs> the rationale. Right? You know, I honestly might just put all the strangers in because I'd rather have something with BAFTA than fucking 
Saltburn. <laughs> yeah, that probably is a Which, good call. Can I also just say, Saltburn made, I think, 11 long lists today. And sorry that I'm so focused on it. It, like, just came out, and I was looking at it this, like, right before. And it still somehow missed Best Film. I don't understand this movie's performance this year at all. It it's made every film. single... It's also it the weirdest made... film, both performance-wise and actually the film itself. Yeah. But also, it's made every single guild so far. Ah, chaos. And, I cannot wait for the chaos. And then also, at um, Golden Globes, it made lead actor and supporting actress. Which and it was, was like one of the NBR, or, or I think it was like NBR top something or whatever. Yeah. But then it also missed film there. And then at Critics' Choice, it made film, but it didn't make any, either okay. of the actors. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm like, okay. what the hell is going we'll turn, on? With we're this turning movie? into the crazy conspiracy people with like the red strings. So I think that's a good place to call it. Um, yeah. Any films that you want to highlight that we haven't talked about yet, or any films coming up that you're excited about? Ooh. Um. I don't think it's been released yet. I watched The Peasants recently. <sighs> Zealous. So. Yeah, you should be. It's so good. Please watch it. Please yeah. watch. It. I should have talked about it when I was talking about score snubs because that was. Oh, that I mean that's so Sony, that's that's Sony Pictures classic just fucking it up again. Um, yes. But well, yeah, it come, I believe it comes out January twenty sixth here in New York, so I'm gonna try to see please, it that weekend. Yes, please do. It's so good. And then um, I believe that the Deepest Breath also just came out on Netflix. That's another great documentary. Highly recommend. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, social media where anyone can find you if you want more hot takes aside yes. from the Discord server. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm on Twitter at that one Gaijin. I am, uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you stream music uh, at uh, um, Whitney Joe. And I think I'm technically still on Instagram. I think it's that one Gaijin also. It might be Whitney Joe on. All right. I, I will know. put you, I will put all your social medias in the show notes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Whitney, despite our best efforts and cutting down the number of films we talked about, we still won for an hour and a half. Um, that just means we had a good time. So uh, thank I you ramble. once again for coming on. Um, thank you for let thank you for letting me uh, uh, make fun of you in the Discord server. I hope you don't take it too personally when I do so. It's all in good fun. When I meet you, you're gonna burn an acid. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I will definitely keep my eyes on my back. But we'll go see a movie together, something, and roast it together. We'll see. Um, Awesome. Well, good talking to you as always. And uh, yeah, uh, good conversation. And we'll just see how many of your hot takes end up being reality come Oscar nomination day. Probably more than we think. (laughs) One of them might. One of them might. Awesome. And I will hold on to that for the rest of my life. I'm still talking about the fact that I got the whale not making screenplay right. Awesome. Well, we'll see what it is this year. I I will say past lives does not count as a hot take anymore since I'm coming around to it. So, um, awesome. Well, yes. have a good one. And if you and... agree, then it's not a hot take. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Good. Uh, all right. Well, good luck right. and uh, good luck with your good luck with your race. Thank you. Thanks again to Whitney for hopping onto the podcast. It's always a fun time having him on, even if we disagree. Like I said, when opinions differ from those of my guests, it just makes for good content. Um, I'm going to link, of course, to all of his social media links below. 
Um, and then again, just some housekeeping before we sign off. I still have this, I still have that survey for top films of 2023 and most anticipated for 2024. Um, I'll see the results of those in next in the next episode. But be sure to fill that out if you haven't. It was somewhere around 75 uh, complete um, uh, submissions so far. And then the Academy of Death Races Film Festival is still going on. Be sure to get your tickets to watch over 60 sorts, including nine sortlisted films for the Oscars uh, at AODR.net up until January 21st. That helps with this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast. Let me know how your Death Race is going over on Twitter at OscarsDRacecast or via email at OscarsDeathRacePodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast service of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And if you can leave us a review there or even just share it with a friend who loves movies, any of that is super helpful. Uh, those will be linked in the show notes alongside my Letterboxd account under the username NinjaBoy, Boy with an I. Also, be sure to check out the Oscar Rates and Oscars Death Race subreddits and the Academy of Death Racers Discord as well as a odr.net um, oscarsdeathrace.com and deathracetracking.com all great community resources uh, music is provided by Kevin McLeod find his stuff at incompetent.filmmusic.io editing production by Ninsboy Media that's it for this week uh, this has been Paulo of the Oscars Death Race podcast and until next time I'll be here trying to watch all the Oscar nominees or die trying mm-hmm.